Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Welcome to the Great Woman in Compliance podcast with Lisa Fine and Mary Shirley. Today, you've got the two of us. We're doing a joint episode and we celebrate our Wikis, uh, which you may be familiar with with our 100th episode last year, as well as Compliance Week Highlights, which is an annual conference that Lisa and I attended and we've attended in previous years as well. So we'll be doing a little bit of comparing, contrasting and speaking about some of the things that stood out to us and some of the things that we learned we're going to start off today, though, with the Wikis, which are very informal. Please don't put in any um, challenges to our Wikis. Um, these are just Lisa and I playing around, um, but also um, looking to recognize great things that are happening in the field. So um, we'll kick it off, and I think Lisa and I will go alternatively as per usual. So my first one is for best new idea, the Wiki goes to the Seven Elements Book Club, which was founded and set up by Kate Toby and Alan Hunt, who are GWIC and friends of the podcast. They've decided to put together a regular book club which discusses compliance books and invites the authors of those books to attend a session where the audience can ask questions and there are also breakout opportunities so that you can do some networking as well. And Lisa and I attended one where Ascending the Elevator Back Down was featured recently and we had a great time including meeting new people. So fantastic idea. Lisa, over to you. Okay. Well, I am just going to mention for my wiki sort of the best mm. new code. And Ooh. I think anyone who who has listened to Mary or me recently knows that we are huge fans of the SNAP Code of Conduct. Mm. What I really like about it and what I think we can all learn from or have learned from, and they've done it so well, is they've tied it to their values, they've tied it mm. to their mission, and they've specifically keep coming back to being kind. Mm. We both had guests on the podcast who've talked about it from SNAP, and they really mm. have done a really good job of making this something that is engaging, um, it shows what the organization is, what the company is like, and also lives up to their values and, I, and, and makes it interactive in a way that, and just pretty in a way that I just think they did a great job mm -hmm. um, that I talk about the code of conduct of SNAP so much. You'd think I either worked sometimes with for SNAP or with <laughs> SNAP or for the, whoever helped them with it. So I think they deserve some recognition for doing that well. Mm -hmm. Great. Good one. Um, and my next one is for best swag at the Compliance Week conference. That goes to Compliance Line. Um, what they did was instead of useless crap that you would probably never use or want to put in the trash, which is incredibly wasteful, I would say, um, they decided to um, support what was predominantly women authors in compliance and buy a boatload of compliance books and you could go to their booth and choose a book to take home with you. So um, that definitely beat a stress ball, uh, in my opinion. And so well done, compliance line. Great, great idea. Yeah, I'm just going to add a little point to that, Mary, Please, because mm -hmm. not only did they have the best swag, they had a wonderful no pitch zone. And in yeah, fact, mm -hmm. uh, Tom Fox, who many of you know, and also is our thankful, our podcast producer, we're very fortunate for that, asked if I had moved in there at one point. <laughs> I leave my bag, I would drop by. So it wasn't so, you know, it's a place to be. 
at a conference, yeah. a sentence I never thought I'd necessarily say, but I want to thank the Yellow Brothers for, for, for that, as well as their support of compliance authors and particularly women, female compliance mm-hmm. officers. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, I'm going to turn to another uh, man who is a, you know, a compliance, a friend of the podcast, and that's the best weekly read. Um, Adam Balfour has mm. started this column on LinkedIn, which now is going to be uh, weekly on corporate compliance insights, I saw. Um, mm-hmm. Adam Balfour um, at Bridgestone, he has done an amazing job of coming up with different thoughts, engaging thoughts, um, you know, different things about both how to be a good compliance officer to programs to um, you know, policies. And it just really is something that I think has taken off in a life of his own, its own, which is something that he just started doing on Sunday afternoon. So mm. I think that he should be getting the Gwiki for that best weekly read. And Adam, one of the other awards you're getting that you didn't know about until now is hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you a little bit as one of the men who really has supported us in compliance and women generally. So thank you to, to Adam. Wonderful. Thanks, Lisa. And best new compliance podcast, Gwiki, goes to Gwen Hassan for her podcast, Hidden Traffic, which talks a lot about modern day uh, slavery and some of the risks that are happening there. So well done, Gwen. Appreciate you. Well, I think I'm going to follow that up with another an ex- another outside best outside compliance success. And the reason mm. I'm following you with that is that it's also a Gwen. So Gwen yeah. Romack. Thank nice. you. You've done a fantastic job on your books with the Finn Chronicles and really, you know, incorporating even your outside consulting with your passion with mm-hmm. off-leash consulting really has taken the dog, the dog world and, and, and your books are just fantastic. So best outside compliance success, Gwen. Here's to you. Nice. Cheers, Gwen. And the next award, which is reminiscent of one that I gave last year, which was best opportunity to turn a negative into a positive, and I've renamed it for this uh, time around the Phoenix Rising Wiki, which is to reference the fact that um, the vast majority of best-in-class compliance programs have really risen from the ashes of compliance disasters. Um, I'd like to give this one to Activision Blizzard. And interestingly, Lisa prepared a very similar one. So we're going to do this in conjunction with each other. Um, Activision Blizzard has been canvassed multiple times at this conference and in compliance. I mean, sorry, I've like I've just renamed our podcast to conference. Has been well, although it was actually mentioned at the conference, interestingly, and a panelist who is more familiar um, with uh, Activision Blizzard's compliance function commented that they've actually done a lot of work to try and move themselves forward, including hiring uh, external advisors uh, to assist them. But unfortunately, Activision Blizzard made the news again within the last week um, with regards to the um, lactation rooms in the office not being a safe area and including the fact that breast milk has been stolen. So still some work, it appears, from a cultural perspective there, but um, really looking at this from an as- in an asset-based way, um, this is a chance for Activision Blizzard to be a phoenix rising and really turning that culture around and having something awesome to show for it in due course. Lisa, what did you have on this one? Well, I think mine was a little less optimistic and aspirational than yours, mm, mm. because while I still think that everything you say is accurate, and I think that Activision Blizzard is working towards that, it really is in some ways almost what I would think of as a dubious achievement award, uh, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even with what you just said a minute ago with the lactation rooms, mm-hmm. it is a gift that keeps on giving for compliance Agree. programs as examples 
of things that can go wrong, starting from the very beginning, which we you we've talked about a lot of times either on this podcast or in other contexts, where the the chief compliance officer decided to kind of minimize some mm-hmm. of the concerns as past concerns, at which point employees decided to correct that um, interpretation of things or give their view on mm-hmm. it from both the culture standpoint to the compliance standpoint, mm-hmm. the programmatic one. Um, I think those are a couple of them uh, that would be kept into my mind. Yeah, I agree. And I think when I put the latest update into a group chat um, to reference your comment about the gift that keeps on giving, I think I captioned it with, you know, just when you think it couldn't get any worse. It just seems like every few months there's something else. And Mary, I forgot to mention to you one of the other awards that I wanted (laughs) to give. Um, So I'm going to give it out now because, and hopefully. Oh, surprise. Well, it's, it's a surprise. I think that the worst real-time example of tone at the top, which mm. all of us saw this year, was mm. at the Academy Awards with the slap. Uh, I, I feel that's like... That's a great... Oh, yeah, that's that's totally appropriate. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who at the Academy will want to say I, I will be accepting this award on their behalf. <laughs> um, but in any, in any event, I really thought, I mean, your opinions on the whole situation aside, the idea that as this whole thing was playing out, the participants, one of them was not leaving the building and in fact accepted award a few minutes later and the damage control was all done later was such mm. the example to me of when an organization doesn't, you know, handle appropriately initially somebody who's a senior person who's kind of the big deal. It's the, the idea. Yeah. Do, do people get treated differently? Um, I mean, there are a lot of other components to that situation, but I think from an organizational standpoint and a tone from the top standpoint, we watched a real-time example of, you know, when those things, you know, don't go well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if some other person rushed the stage, for example, what would have happened without revisiting the entire situation? Um, mm. You know, some of this, I think, I think is a real lesson to looking at what leadership and what, you know, the important you know, people that are high profile in an organization do and how it's handled. Um, yeah, Lisa, I wasn't going to give this one as an actual um, Gwiki, but it's reminded me, you know, what you're saying is almost like a best move Gwiki could be given to the sports teams who decided to focus on gun violence in the US after the horrific shootings that we've seen recently. It would be very easy, I would say, for people in the sporting and athletic arena to say, well, you know, that's that's not our business. Let's focus on the, the sporting side of things. And yet, they actually have tremendous influence over um, the the culture of a country. In in New Zealand, for example, um, when the All Blacks, which is our rugby team, when they lose, instances of domestic violence spike horrendously in the country. Um, So there is a huge influence that our our, our sportsmen and women have um, over uh, the residents of a country. And I thought it was an awesome show of priority that they decided to focus on something that is clearly a problem. And I'm not going to pontificate on it. I'm not the right person. Uh, And also I think Jacinda Ardern spoke on behalf of uh, Team New Zealand um, while she was visiting for uh, the Harvard commencement speech uh, last week. Um, But I did think that that was, you know, the flip side of what you were mentioning. We can see um, awful examples of tone from the top and we can also see people using their influence for good and it may not necessarily be their job to do 
so we may not expect it, but in fact, it turned out to be the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we we brought that in. Um, and for for one other point on that, before we go back, if anybody wants to listen to probably, I think one of the best uh, uh, sports leaders talking about that is the coach of the U.S. basketball team, the uh, mm. Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr, going out before their game and said, "We're going to talk about this instead." And I nice. think mm-hmm. that was a, a one a good example of that. So, yeah. American entertainment and sports, no lack of examples. Mm-hmm. So I think, is this up to my last award then? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is an important award because this is our only repeat. And this person, <laughs> I just want to make it, I'm putting it back out there because I think it's an important award for somebody to try to, you know, you know claim, the, claim this title, um, which is, the comic relief, you know, while still being a sub a substantive individual, but but the the funniest and most you know the big the, the best uh, humor in compliance. The glit goes for the second year to Jonathan Armstrong. So the reason why mm. I want to make sure is because I mean the way I and mean, even the way he accepted this award and when he asked you know whether or not we would last year you know whether he'd be able to keep something at home or did he need to sort of you know rent out one of you know like that somewhere in Mayfair in London to demonstrate to uh, <laughs> you know to put it out there. I mean, mm. I would like to see somebody, you know, knock him off next year. And, you know, Jonathan, please keep raising the bar higher because, you know, even with all the things we've talked about right now, there's a lot of serious in this world and there's a lot of serious in our jobs. Um, mm. And to bring a sense of humor into it, I think makes it a little bit better for all of us and makes us better professionals by doing that. But more than that, it just makes it a bit of fun. So, I'm hoping next year we've got a new and a new winner, but but Jonathan, keep up the good work. Mm, nice one. And hello to Jonathan, <laughs> one of our dearest friends. <laughs> that brings us to the compliance week highlights. So what did Lisa and I learn or what did we find interesting from the conference? Lisa, would you like to go first? Sure. I mean, I think one of the first things for me um, was not so much a learning as much as what it reminds me is you you don't remember how much you miss. Mm. in-person experiences that we did have one at SCCE. Um, but the second one, when it was sort of a slightly different COVID phase, mm. um, really it was just so nice to be excuse me, part of this community and to see people that I haven't seen in a long time. And whether it was to connect personally um, through different events or getting to see them in person or socializing or just listening to the speakers that I haven't get, gotten to her, hear in a while and really focus in that way. I think it, you know, there's really no comparison. It reminds you how much energy you get from being a part of the community and with one another sometimes. Mm. So I think that that was one of the really, one of the major takeaways for me um, is that how much I continue to value these experiences. Mm, lovely and totally agree. Um, for me, the first one that I wanted to mention was Kenneth Polite Jr., who is the Assistant Attorney General. He uh, did a plenary session um, and he foreshadowed uh, the chief compliance officers uh, would be expected to sign off at the end of monitorships. And then interestingly, the week uh, after the Glencore settlement came out, and I'll just give a quick shout out, um, but not a wiki uh, to our friends at Radical Compliance. They did an excellent write-up um, on the Glencore case. If you want to get caught up with that, um, including the fact that they've got two monitors, uh, take a look. Um, and so I thought it was really cool to see almost in real time 
um, a DOJ representative talking about um, this requirement that I don't think we've seen before. And then the next case to come out was like a week later, the Glencore settlement and their settlement does include the uh, CCO sign-off. So um, cheers to radical compliance and um, great selection of speaker by Compliance Week. I think that was one of the most popular sessions. Lisa? Interesting, because I also was going to talk a bit about um, uh, that conversation and Kenneth Polite's um, mm-hmm. discussion, too. Um, and I, I was surprised. There was a lot that I that I really was interested in and, and um, in terms of talking about what they were doing, their understanding. But I also was going to talk about the certification requirement, but in a slightly different context. And I, and you know, I understand that Presenius does have a monitorship. Mm-hmm. So this is this is you know totally the Lisa Fine view on mm-hmm. this, um, and and a concern and that I've been thinking about is that if you have a situation, whether it's a monitor or another thing, or you're asking for a compli- chief compliance officer sign off, I think it's good because from an accountability standpoint, I'm not exactly sure. I think that it should be the CCO rather than mm-hmm. the CEO or one of the, you know, an exact that the highest executive leader for a couple of reasons. One, oftentimes between when the, when the problem arose and the time that a monitorship or the time in a settlement or anything else is finished, you may have a change. So a mm. CCO may be signing off on things that may not entirely be theirs. They also can't control the business members of the, of the, of the organization in the same way. So they can sign off. Mm. Um, and, you know, there are oftentimes that things may not go as smoothly within other parts. I think it's important that all of an organization owns a compliance failure because it isn't just the compliance team's failure most often. Right. It's a controls mm-hmm. failure. So I thought it was interesting to talk about. I had been, right when that, that settlement came out, I've been thinking about it. Is this good or is this bad? And I see both sides of it. So mm-hmm. when you're talking about, that was something that made me think. On, on the other hand, I think it's good that somebody has to sign off. Somebody has to have ownership. But I mm-hmm. also get worried about how the chief ethics and compliance officers and ethics and compliance teams already have to own so many things that other people's behaviors, you need others to support. Mm. Um, that's just a Lisa Fine take on that. Um, and, um, you know, I would love to talk about it more with people as we all keep thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So I will just say on another thing that I thought was a really um, positive, um, you know, interesting speaker to me was uh, John Kerry talking about uh, mm. Bad Blood and Theranos mm-hmm. and Elizabeth mm. Holmes. I read the book before I listened to a podcast before anything. So I, for me, this is also like a little bit of a fangirl kind of moment Um, Mm. listening to him talk. I mean, a lot of the stuff we've read about, we've heard about multiple times at this point, but something about listening to him and listening to Mary Inman, who represented Mm. some of the whistleblowers and was your guest on on the podcast Mm -hmm. that kind of talk about it from those viewpoints. I just thought it was a really unique and, interesting substantive conversation um, about what happened and, you know, who was speaking out and particularly the chemist who spoke out. I think it was a chemist early on and didn't quite get the same level of attention or as some of the others, but it just the courage of everyday people and the way that he highlighted that. I just really kind of reminds me a lot of, you know, the importance of what we do and trying to do the right thing. Mm. 
Excellent. Good. Um, the next one that I've got is in relation to uh, the company Rider. They had a success story, which was told by Pilar Caballero, uh, the chief compliance officer and it was about um, undeclared dual employment conflicts of interest risks and I'm not going to spoil that for you as Pilar has very kindly agreed to be on GWIC to canvas that story shortly but um, Lisa if I'm not mistaken you have a fun story about dual employment risk to share. I do this is not did not come from compliance week but I I did share it at some point. Um, I had uh, in a former role I got a, a message through the hotline indicated that, that, that um, indicating that somebody they thought somebody that worked at their company full time was also working at our organization. Well, it turns out as a potentially as a as a consultant, and this was a person who was also on a V. It turns out um, was a visa person on a who was a consultant. I mean, he's part of an organization that we you know had retained, and there were only a few people there. There were a number of issues that came out of this. But one of which was talking to this person saying, you know, so at first I watched, I saw like I had a desk. Um, so I'm telling the person, they said, you know, are, are you sure that he's there full time? I was like, well, I just walked by him working at his desk. <laughs> so, yeah, it was very awkward. And then I eventually called the guy in and he said, my company knows about it. I said, well, your company just reached out to ask if you were working. So I'm not sure mm-hmm. about that. And the guy looked at me and said, I should leave now, shouldn't I? I said, probably a good idea. So then I had to explain to the people who had, you know, who had retained him within our company, mm-hmm. within that company. The other unfortunate part was that the other company, he was on, like I said, on a work visa and they were trying to get him a green card. So for me, I also just didn't understand why somebody was risking so much, but then wow. you know, personal life. It was it was very sad to me, but we, what are you going to do? Um, because like, every one of us wanted to make sure that like this couldn't be actually be right. So, this is crazy to me. So as many of you know, um, I'm currently on a work visa and a green card could be a possibility for me in the future. And it's to the point where I don't even go in like, if there's a massage that looks interesting and it's like, there was one I saw recently, like a CBD one where I think they give you some kind of edible and like they use CBD lotion on you. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if this could like, maybe I could fail a drug test if I go through the spa treatment. So I just didn't even bother inquiring, booked something else. Like I can't understand someone risking so much. It, I it, just it was, it was my, my mind. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. It was, it was, and it was, unfor- I mean, it was really unfortunate because you certainly think, you know, about the person's family and others and some idea, but you think like, how can this happen? I don't know anything. I don't know anything after what I did. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I will say it's one of the times when I was doing HR compliance that nobody really had a complaint with, with me for how I handled it. It is everyone was yeah, I bet. unfortunate, but yeah, that was a, a weird story. So I'm not ruining uh, Pilar's, episode but that was my one experience with like a very in-your-face dual employment thing but wow (laughs) and great sign that the um the hotline is working well yeah I mean I talked to the immediately reached out to the person that was there and we were both we were both kind of like is this real yeah Um, yeah. amazing anyway 
All right. So I think, you know, one of my next my next ones um, that I just have to, to mention is I, for anyone who didn't know this already, I was really proud of you, Mary, for, um, oh. for getting the award as a mentor of the year. Thank I mean, you. you know, I, I put on LinkedIn, but you really you're you are a great mentor, your colleague, your friend and do that for many people and, you know, in your own free time and things like that. And I'm, I'm really glad that that was noticed and recognized and very well deserved. Thank you for your kindness and sending the elevator back down to me with um, your words then, Lisa. Well, thank you on that one. So what, what do you have any others there? I do. And I just realized I have another, um, another cheeky wiki to give out, which I, I distracted myself when I talked about the impromptu um, sports comments. So I'll go back to that later. <laughs> um, but I've got <laughs> one final Compliance Week highlight. And that was um, with regards to a leadership session. So what I found interesting this year about Compliance Week that I don't think I've traditionally seen before, and I've been attending their conference since 2018 now, um, is that unlike the SEC and the HCCA, um, Compliance Week hasn't traditionally gone with non-substantive compliance topics before. And this year they brought in a leadership expert and my biggest takeaway from her session was in order to function effectively the brain needs oxygen and if you're just sitting there all day not getting up doing things um, you're not really helping yourself to be your best from a work performance perspective and I'm one of those people that just like I will do marathon just sitting there bashing out work Um, and this was a really great um reminder to me that I need to get up more and some people will choose to maybe stretch or um, do some exercises. Um, uh, But for me, it may be as simple as um, the uh, industrial sized uh, laundry machines in our building heading down to level two with, you know, a big load of sheets or something instead of the own one, you know, the the small one in my own apartment and um, doing some laundry for a bit throwing it in and then coming up just enough to get yourself moving these small reminders I think are really helpful and so I really appreciated them doing something a little differently and I think it went down really well yeah I think that that's true too um and from you talking about something done differently to a topic that may be very traditional in conferences Mm. but one which I learned a lot about and something that you know I've I've been thinking a lot about and these are the new EU whistleblower requirements Mm -hmm. um And I really thought that panel was fantastic. And I mentioned Mary Mm. earlier, but some of her discussion about what the benefits of some of the different um, things in the uh, directive and why they can help whistleblowers versus some of what I see as the challenges for organizations. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I thought it was a really interesting conversation. It helped me understand it a little better. Um, Mm -hmm. I still have my my similar concerns as I have in the past, which is, one of the challenges with people reporting in some of the countries in Europe, which is obviously where this is, is that people don't feel comfortable reporting to their local folks. And they don't mm. believe that if you go to the the, the whistleblower uh, hotline or however you're going to call it at your organization helpline, uh, is it really going to be separate or will they be protected? Um, mm. So on the other hand, the idea of that we're protecting them by making sure they go somewhere local, is that good or is that bad? But also, you know, just, just learning about it and thinking more, it helped me think a bit more open-mindedly to what the positives and negatives are and to think about how to best handle it, you know, for our company, mm. because we're figuring it out as well, just as many of the countries are. Awesome. I think that'll be an 
ongoing discussion um, and, and certainly one that's very interesting. The um, the final wiki that I have um, stems from another thing that Compliance Week, I think, did differently. They've traditionally, from at least the times that I've been attending, held some kind of women in compliance event. This year, they held a women's brunch and learn. Gentlemen were invited um, to attend as well. Um, it wasn't exclusive in that respect. Um, and we had some wonderful allies as well as uh, great women in compliance attending that session. And uh, near the end, one lady had a question for the panel and she said, you know, you've talked about how um, transparency can really help us and um, in, in the fight for pay parity as women in compliance. But what if your situation is one where you are the only one who does your job? So I can't benchmark with other people in the company. I can't ask them to share their compensation packages with me and vice versa because I'm the only one. And so... So the response from this gets the best quote of Compliance Week Award um, wiki, and that goes to Alan Hunt, who responded with a smile, I think unicorns should get paid more. So that was um, well, uh, well received by the audience to rapturous applause and many smiles all around. Lisa, what do you have to take us home? Well, I mean, I think that even though we didn't talk about that earlier, I think it's a really great sentiment to end on because most of you who are listening to this right now, you are unicorns mm. we, uh, and in the most positive of ways and being with us for 150 episodes, which I still mm. kind of can't believe that we've done <laughs> when I take a step back and, and think about, you know, the first day, which it's interesting we end with Ellen because she was my first interview, the 11 minute interview with her. Now I've spoken to her and now have an annual and an Ellen Hunt interview. Um, mm. And, um, she, you know, so I was just going to say, um, you know, but I think it's amazing where we've all come from here. And mm. it's amazing to think about this journey that we did as a group. Um, and I want to say thank you to all of you. And there are so many of us that are unicorns out there. So hopefully you are doing what you can, as we learned in the leadership for your mental health as a unicorn, and you're being paid like one and that you're, mm. you know, are enjoying what you're doing. So I want to say thank you to the listeners, to our guests, to you, Mary, um, you. and to you know, obviously to Corporate Compliance Insights and the Compliance Podcast Network. And we're looking forward to 150 more. I guess this means next year will be 200. So wow. start thinking about those wikis now. So <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks, Mary. And thanks thank to you. all. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review. 